gives me some dead air time to uh-huh. be able to put in the intro Edit. and stuff later. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do you it bet. at the end as well. Um, so essentially, I'm going to do a little intro blurb for at the table and mm-hmm. then probably a CSB sponsor spot. Okay. And then I'll just kind of bring you into it. And so that sounds good. the biggest thing is just make sure <laughs> um, you're muted and hopefully... Oh, you know what? Because I've got multiple ones. Is there only showing one Carrie Bond on your end? There's only one on my end. Yes. Okay. So I okay. can mute that easily. Okay. Um, and I will just go ahead and talk for just a second. Let me see if both of these are responding in like manner. Okay. So um, hopefully you'll be able to. Yep. There you go. I think you just muted. I was a little nervous that it was going to mute all of my. I have four now instead of um, three. So. Um, So yeah, as long as you can mute while I'm talking, then that should hopefully work out to where there won't be the feedback and all of that needing to be edited out. And the main thing uh, is to bring awareness at you coming from an SBC standpoint. So you are a part of the SBC, obviously you're a pastor's wife, stuff like that. So we're going to kind of intro in that realm and then we'll move kind of to the uh, post-abortive talk and how women can get involved, what they need to know about the post-abortive women and their churches, that kind of thing. Sounds good. Okay. Do you have any questions? I don't think so. Okay, perfect. All right. Well then let's get started. Finally. (laughs) Hey friends, welcome to an episode of At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. I'm your host, Jackie King, and I am so excited to introduce to you today one of my mentors that helped out uh, in just helping develop me as a young leader, as a young pastor's wife, and a women's ministry leader. And so today I get to welcome to the show, Carrie Bond. Carrie Bond is an everyday girl passionate about teaching women truth from God's word and encouraging them to live it out. She has been married 27 years to the senior pastor of Greenwood Baptist, is the mom of three through adoption, and homeschool teacher of one. Carrie leads the women's ministry at her home church, as well as serves with the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention women's ministry team, and works with Surrendering the Secret, a post-abortion ministry. She always enjoys chatting over a great cup of coffee. Carrie, I'm so thankful that you're getting to carve out some time to spend with us today. Thanks for having me, Jackie. I'm excited to visit with you. So why don't you tell me a little bit about just your story, how you got started, what it's like to be a pastor's wife, all of the things that are Carrie Bond. Well, I have actually been part of the Southern Baptist Convention since, uh, I guess you would say, Since before I was born in the womb, my father was a bivocational music pastor and then went on to um, work as a deacon and uh, Bible study teacher, he and my mother. And so I I was privileged to grow up in uh, the Southern Baptist world in churches across the United States. And then as an adult, and as I began to really understand scripture, I chose to stay part of the SBC because I really believe that their doctrine lines up with what Scripture says, and that's extremely important. Um, Fast forward a lot of years, I married a pastor, and we have been married, as you said, for 27, going on 28 years now, and we have always served in or led a Southern Baptist church. And so 
I remember the summer um, before I actually met my husband, really wrestling with God if he was calling me to be a pastor's wife. And I had prayed and thought about that since I was a senior in high school, but just thought that was um, just a really wonderful thing that I had seen demonstrated before my eyes and in my life by other godly women. But I wanted to make sure that that wasn't just a desire, something I wanted, but that that was what the Lord wanted. And He confirmed that in my life. And uh, within about three months, I actually met my husband on a blind date with another pastor and his wife uh, orchestrated that meeting and God put us together. And so it's been a privilege to come alongside him and and serve and see the body of Christ continue to grow and just be a part of his kingdom work. I think that you two are both such a beautiful example of what it looks like to be faithful to the church, to be faithful workers uh, just in your local community. And I think getting to watch your story unfold just in the time that I've known you, which is goodness, probably 14, 15 years now um, since we served together on the SBTC team. And y'all have just done the work day in and day out and made such an impact in your community. And so I so appreciate that. And I think one of the things that has really knit our hearts together is the story of adoption. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your struggle with infertility and then how adoption has completely just turned your life upside down? You know, that's a story I love to share and uh, thinking back I would have never thought that because oftentimes our most painful things we don't think we'll ever be able to live out that Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for good, but yet he does if we're faithful to join him in that journey. Um, my husband and I married late in life. For my generation, I was married late at 25, and so I can look back and all of my bridesmaids uh, were married with at least one child, and that children were so important to us, and we at the uh, desire to have children at the time that we got married, our plan uh, was that we would have biological children, then we would adopt a child, and then we also wanted to adopt a child with special needs because we both had had a great impact from some special, special children in our lives, and we just longed for that privilege. And so, um, unbeknownst to us, but never unknown to the Lord, we walked through about five years of unexplained infertility. And so we finally just surrendered that and said, Lord, you're the creator. You design us. You know the plans you have for us, plans for a hope and a future, as Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us. And so however you want to build our family, we want to surrender to that. And that was a hard place. It's easy for me to put that into a couple of sentences here, but it was a hard place to walk through. And uh, so I know the intensity of struggle with infertility, of not being able to go to baby showers and seeing the discrepancy of pregnancy that occurs with a 14-year-old in our student ministry with a one-moment bit of passion, and yet through years of very specific infertility treatments, not being able to conceive. And yet God brought us the most beautiful gifts that we could have ever imagined. Our first child we adopted from this very state where my husband was born. And uh, we brought home a beautiful little boy. 
that we named Taylor, and he was blessed with Down syndrome. And he has taught us and our churches that we've been involved in so much and has changed what it looks like to parent a child with special needs. And, you know, we've said over and over that God never makes mistakes. Just sometimes our gifts arrive in packages we might not have expected. And so our adoption experience began when he knit Taylor into our family. And then about three years later, we were very blessed once again to be chosen by a, a beautiful birth mother to adopt her baby girl. And that one was a very unique situation where we were able to walk with her through many things of her life and ours. And um, about a week after our daughter was born, I had the privilege of leading her to the Lord and my husband actually baptized her. And so just um, an incredible thing that whenever God called us to minister to her, regardless of what that adoption situation might end up being, we got to see the fruit of his blessing in so many ways. And then fast forward seven years. <laughs> so yes, I have a child who's 21 now and one that's about to turn 12. So it's, it's stretching this mama, but God's gifts are always good. But um, fast forward seven years and my daughter was wanting a little baby brother so much. And I just, I just kept saying, well, if, if God does that, if he drops that into our lap, you know that I'll consider that because I can't even go to a pet, sh a pet shop because I will want to adopt all of them or any of the SPCA shelter days. I just can't go because I'll come home with all the animals. But that's exactly what God did within about a 24-hour time frame. We were parents yet again, and this time of a beautiful 10-pound baby boy who accepted the Lord whenever he was four and a half years old, and one of his uh, leading spiritual gifts is evangelism. And so it's, it's just beautiful how God puts the family together. And so while I understand the heartache of infertility, I've also walked through with, in particular, with our daughter's birth mother, the heartache of choosing to place a child for adoption and the pain that's on both sides of that coin and yet the beauty that God creates whenever we're all willing to submit to his plan. So that's, that's a bit about how God created our family. So I want you to kind of unpack a little bit, especially with the women that are listening that are maybe struggling with infertility. I know I have so many close friends that are in the same boat that you were in several years ago. And so what are some of those kind of nuggets of truth or just things that you cling to that made the season bearable? Um, and just like you said, you know, they struggle with just, they want to be joyous for friends that are having babies and baby showers and, and all of that. But then it's just a general reminder of what is lacking in their own life. And so how would you encourage a woman that is maybe in the season of infertility right now? The first and foremost thing I would say, and it seems trite, but it is very, very true. And that's to stay in the word of God. You know, sometimes we can know what we need to do, but we still think that that only applies to someone else, or I just don't have the strength or even the desire. And I'm so grateful for Philippians 2.13, which says that God will give us the desire and the ability to do His will. And I'm also grateful for that picture that 
God gave us whenever Moses was commanded to hold the rod over the battle that was occurring down in the valley. And when he was too weak, he brought along Aaron and her to hold Moses' hands and give him a comfy little stone <laughs> to sit on because there were numerous times that I had to be willing to allow someone to come alongside and remind me of truth, to pour that truth into me. It didn't mean, um, in today's world of social media, it did not mean that I needed to be open and, and airing everything out. Of course, we didn't have Facebook and Instagram, et cetera, back then, but, but we still had the same capacity. Are we going to just wear this loud and um, it defines who I am? Or am I just going to let some people come alongside me in a close-knit way, the way that Christ modeled that with his disciples, and just pour truth in? So on the days I needed to cry, on the days that just didn't seem fair, that I struggled, that I was in line at Walmart and saw you know children that didn't seem to be well-kept and taken care of and, and the desire to do that, that I could constantly turn that back over to the Lord and had people to surround me in that same truth so that he could heal those pieces. Um, there are some good books and some good literature out there that are based on scripture that help. And I think that's an important piece as well uh, in terms of dealing with the logistics of infertility. There's so many different options even today than, than there were then. But for us as a couple, it meant continuing to seek the Lord to see what He wanted us to do. Not that we were creating life, but that we were willing to follow Him in whatever tools and, and methods He chose to create life. And um, I know that for us was a bit of a struggle to make sure we were listening to Him and not just going out on our own like Sarai and Abram did. And so um, sometimes for me, it was sitting back and saying, you know, this is kind of a trigger for me right now. And so I'm not going to go to that baby shower. I am going to go ahead and maybe send a gift or have my husband drop it off or something like that with at the church. But for today, maybe I need to not stay home and wallow in my sorrow. But I know that it would just add more fuel to the fire. And so today I'm going to choose to step back. But something that um, Elizabeth Elliot talks about is that sometimes what we need to do is to do the next thing. And that takes discipline. It takes um, walking with the Lord to do that. And so sometimes it meant doing the next thing, doing that hard thing of rejoicing with my friend while I was hurting on the inside. But the incredible thing about God is that He begins to heal your heart as you walk with Him through that process and even afterwards. And so I would encourage you to look for some godly literature that's out there and look for some support from people that are going to point you back to the Lord. They're going to hear your heart, hear your pain, and yet constantly point you back to the Lord. 
I think one of the big things that changed my life just with you coming into my life was how I would struggle or I would be in a season of hurt and just almost an identity crisis, really, whenever I was walking into my beginning years of becoming a minister's wife and a pastor's wife and how often you quoted scripture to me and you gave me godly counsel. And I think that is so important for all of us, no matter if we're in a high season or a low season of having women that have walk the road a little bit ahead of us um, and that are going to be able to just pour in truth to me. And there are so many times, even now, 15 years later, to where I think of things that you said and you said to me 15 years ago, sometimes you just have to do the next thing and you have to trust that God is going to work even when you don't see him working in that step. And it may be a couple steps down the road that we actually get to see how God is culminating stories and hurts and pains and victories all together. And so I think that's such a great, great encouragement. Um, Another way that I think you kind of changed my life and changed my ministry was getting to watch from afar just how you loved your women and loved teaching women truth. And I remember being on social media one day and you shared this video of an organization that you were a part of called Surrendering the Secret. And so I watched the video and it talked about post-abortive women and the statistic of one in four women have had an abortion. And so I remember as a young, new, uh, very green women's minister and pastor's wife, uh, if it's one out of four, if it's 25% of my women I need to do something about this and so that was kind of the beginning of me getting involved with this ministry called surrendering the secret so I kind of want to shift a bit into your involvement with this ministry how did you get involved in post-abortive care and you know, I think a lot of people maybe even listening would put this on very two different spectrums that your experience and your love for adoption and then also ministering p- for the post-abortive women, I think they would see that maybe as contrasting things, but they so beautifully go together as I've learned. So can you unpack for me a little bit just about how you got involved in this conversation and what surrendering the secret is? I would be glad to, um, you know, interestingly enough, when you talk about what seems to be on diametric poles of of interest or um, platforms with adoption and post-abortion, when you pair that with infertility and abortion, they almost don't seem to go together as either. Um, and actually, prior to being able to adopt our oldest son, one of, and it was actually the very first adoption situation that we were working with, with the Pregnancy Resource Center. Um, they had a connection with an attorney that also helped with a placing for adoptions for those birth mamas that wanted to choose that option for their child. And um, into that pregnancy and the waiting time where she knew that that baby her baby was going to be placed with a a pastor and his wife in another state Um, she was overcome with the crisis of that situation and the lack of support and made a plan for abortion and she actually aborted the first child that we were to adopt uh, so, so I actually um, have a baby in heaven that um, 
went through abortion. And so sometimes you think, well, how in the world will all that go together? And But here's the thing, and you've already mentioned it, I, I have such a love for women and helping them to understand who they are in Christ, and most importantly, who Christ is in their life and what He wants to do through His Word in their life. And so um, through my walk in leading women in my church locally in particular, you know, we we um, look for so many different avenues and, and resources for how can we better Im, um, impart truth to them, better equip them, uh, whether it's a particular study or something's going on with the culture that they're walking through. And I remember in December of 2008, God really laying on my heart such a burden to just look for other avenues to meet their needs. And I was actually sitting down reading the um, Southern Baptist of Texans uh, newsletter, which is called The Texan. And in the little bottom right-hand corner of that newspaper was an article about post-abortion ministry. And I, I've always known about abortion. We helped to start a pregnancy resource center in another state early in our marriage and ministry. Uh, standing for life has always been important to me. I um, have had a, a friend who walked through abortion. So, I mean, I've had other connections, but that particular day, it just pierced my heart that this was an area I was to help with. And so I began reading that article and it connected me with the speaker and author of Surrendering the Secret. And she was going to be at the local, or the, excuse me, not local, but the state forum for women's ministry leaders in January of 2009. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was to attend that and I needed to be um, aware and know how to use that tool. And so I began researching everything I could about post-abortion ministry in the month, almost month between the time I read that article and the time I attended the forum. And by the time I attended the forum, I knew that after looking at all the literature that was out there about post-abortion recovery ministry, and there's a lot of good material, that this particular one was the one I was to use and needed to find out about. So in 2009, I ended up hosting a, a leadership training for leaders to learn how to work with post-abortion ministry, had the author Pat Layton come to my church. And by December of that same year, 2009, I, a non-post-abortive woman, a woman who's walked through infertility, a woman who's had abortion impact her life through a friend and through the loss of a baby that I was to adopt. I found myself on the national team, leadership team for Surrendering the Secret, something I would have never dreamed that I would have been able to do. But here's the common denominator. The common denominator is that you love the Lord and that you love women and you want to see each woman be able to walk in his truth. You know, the enemy tried to convict, uh, convince me that because I wasn't post-abortive, that I was not able to share truth or have compassion with someone who had. And yet, for the ones who were post-abortive and on the leadership team, the enemy wanted to convince them that they couldn't because they had had an abortion. Because the truth of the matter is that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, and he only speaks in lies. And God's Word is available for all. 
And I had to be willing to share that truth with compassion and love, and he would take the rest. Because even though my sin is not abortion, all sin puts us level at the foot of the cross. And it's his grace and his truth that brings us that peace and hope. And so since 2009, I have been a part of surrendering the secret ministry at one point or a season of my life, was actually the national training director and went across the United States uh, doing that. I will tell you that for our local body, it has created such a culture of not only awareness, but of true transparency to be able to talk about other difficult issues, those issues that, quote, no one talks about. It's made us sensitive to women because that stat used to be one in three, but as more pregnancy centers are opening and though we're hearing about abortion in the news all the time and we have eight states that are holding abortion laws open all the way through and past birth, we have numerous states, one of which the state I live in, Texas, who has worked diligently to limit and restrict the abortion guidelines. And so therefore the stat is one in four, but that still means one out of every four women that you know, because there's no face, there's no common look, oh, I can tell she's had an abortion. And so if you think about even, this may sound seem, uh, sound a little silly, but it's a very practical application. Just think about women in the restroom. You know, we all go in herds. Want to go? Yes, and we all go. But a conversation that might seem very, very simple can actually put up walls and do more damage. And this is what I'm talking about. You've got three friends in talking, and two are washing their hands. One is still in the stall, um, and the conversation turns to abortion. And the two at the sink are washing their hands, drying, and everybody's just chatting along. And all of a sudden, you hear something like, I can't believe she would. they would ever do this. Who would ever choose that? Don't you know? And, and without them even knowing, their friend who's in the stall about to join them has just frozen because she is one of those four. And now she thinks, even though it's not true, she thinks that she can never share her secret. When you flip that inside of your church and out in the community so that we are aware of that, it changes how we talk, it changes our compassion level, and it changes our awareness to want to meet their needs. I um, remember just being so awestruck by that statistic and almost even ignorantly going into my surrendering the secret leadership training and just thinking, okay, I'm going to help women. And after that training, um, just being so broken at the idea and the truth that there are women within our pews, within our sanctuary seats that are a part of our churches that honestly ended up coming to the conclusion of aborting their child because of their fear of the reflection or the reaction of the church. And I remember just sitting there in that training with you so confused and so confounded that 
the church had gotten to a point to where instead of being the place to where women would feel welcomed and loved and be able to handle and struggle through these hard truths, it was the very thing that was pushing them away. And I just remember thinking, this is not how the body of Christ is supposed to be. This is not how um, sinners are able to come and find freedom. And so even though making that decision very early on of just, Hey, I want to help women. And then seeing the culture that it set up with our women's ministry was one of the biggest blessings that I think I could have never foreseen. Um, because it, it set up a culture of, it doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter how broken you think you are or how undeserving you think you are of God's grace, that everybody has equal footing here and everyone is broken and in need of that same grace and love, um, from, from Jesus. And so I want to kind of talk a little bit about the women that might even be listening um, today that they have just stuffed this secret for maybe decades, as I found in some of the groups that I've led. What would you say to that sister? What would you say to that woman um, that maybe is in the stall? And even as you talking about abortion, she's got the lump in her throat and she's sweating and just that, that feeling of... I can't talk about this. What would you say to her? First, I would hope that from the way in which I've walked in front of her, if I had the privilege to already know her, and I'm thinking of some particular circumstances where I've had this exact same thing play out, that she would know that I walk with truth and with compassion. And the, the third fold of that would be confidentiality to be able to then come and share her secret. You know, we stuff our things, as you mentioned. Uh, we have secrets that we think nobody will know. And it used to be a fun game kind of thing when we played and talked about as children, as little girls. But this kind of secret is the one that the scripture says that causes our body to waste away. And the impact of post-abortion trauma is um, heartbreaking. It creates such damage and causes such damage in hearts. Mm. The enemy has so craftingly developed propaganda and lies that have been repeated over and over and over that we hear on the media, we uh, hear in clinics that we start to believe that it's true and yet it's not and so if they are willing to share their secret um that they can find hope um the second thing i would think of is that you're not alone you are not alone and this is not the end of your story you know god <clears throat> told us that he created life back in Genesis. And he reminds us of the beauty of that in Psalm 139. He even says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and I know that full well. And that's not just talking about that baby or those babies <clears throat> that you have aborted, but it's about you and your life. He told us in John 14, 6, that I am the way and the truth and the life. And he reminded us that 
the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but he has come that we would have life and have it abundantly and that he will work things together for good and that nothing can separate us from his love, neither life nor death. The choices that we've made, we have to remember that we can't earn his love. It's all a gift from him. And so nothing that we've done can take that opportunity or that gift away. And he desires to fill us with hope. He wants to heal us from the inside out. And so if you are in that position where you're carrying that secret, maybe you are a, a women's leader, maybe you're a pastor's wife, maybe you're a Bible study teacher, or maybe you're just a, you think I'm just a nobody, I'm trying to fade into the background. You are somebody to God. He loves you and he desires for you to walk in freedom and in truth. And so one place that you can go to obviously is the scripture and that's his word. And another place where you'll find women who are willing to share that truth and walk the journey of, of allowing the Lord to heal your heart, you can find connections at surrenderingthesecret.com. We have leaders across the United States, even in other countries. And I've actually even Skyped with girls that have been in other countries and other states in order to help them find that truth. And I can tell you, having worked with this particular ministry since 2009, second only to seeing someone accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and and seeing the joy that unfolds as they realize their new creation. Second only to that is what I have seen God do in the lives and the hearts of women who carried the heartbreak of abortion and yet saw that God would restore and redeem and use in a mighty way. Pat Layton, who's the author of Surrendering the Secret, has become a dear friend. And one of the things that she has said for so many years, and we're beginning to see that come to fruition, is that the women who are post-abortive, who have had one or multiple abortions, and yet have allowed the Lord to heal that and to set them free to walk in His truth, to stand for life, that they will be the leading voice in our country against the fight for abortion. Revelation 12, 11 says that the enemy, which is Satan, was overcome by the power of the blood and the power of the testimony. And I truly believe that will be the, the women in particular who have walked this journey and yet have found the freedom of Christ. You know, I reminded that one women's ministry leader in a very prominent church with a large impact one time was visiting with one of our national leaders and they were talking about this and that one in at the time it was one in three women had at least one abortion in their past and and she said and this was said in love and not in pride but she said if if that was the case in my women's ministry in our church I would know that because we really try to stay on top of their needs and the different things going on in their lives. And yet I would say to you that this is this is a secret. And so even if as a women's leader, as a pastor's wife, if you're not hearing about that one in four women 
are post-abortive and you're not seeing that lived out um, openly, this is not one that you're going to hear them talking about. This is something that the enemy has convinced us we are supposed to be silent about. And so my encouragement to you, and this is something that we talk about in the training that Jackie, you went to and, and that we do in our own church, is that we talk about it freely and often. When we have any kind of an event that we're doing, when we're offering uh, groups uh, for Bible study, this is something that we talk about and we give op opportunity for women to participate in and have the resource connection to so that at whatever point that they're ready, we can do that. You know, I don't say, okay, down here in room 101, we're going to have all of the women who have had an abortion come in and we'll have a Bible study at seven o'clock. And in room 102, we're going to have a Bible study where we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> It's, it's done with complete confidentiality. My husband's a pastor, and the girls that I have been privileged to walk with during Surrendering the Secret for the last nine years, almost 10 actually now, um, as we just released the latest edition with Lifeway, they have been able to attend with complete confidentiality. I have only talked with my husband about their choice or their participation in the class if they wanted me to start that conversation for them. Otherwise, that's their story. And at the point that they're ready to share that, I hold that with complete confidence. So take a step, reach out to somebody that can point you again to truth, because God has more for you than to carry that burden. Man, there is just so much goodness in that. And I echo what Carrie says, um, just that it is completely its own other study um, and in a good way. And I always tell uh, other women's ministers that I'm talking to to encourage them to start this ministry within their church. And I said, you want to do church in Bible study, then do the study. Um, it it starts off just with so much vulnerability and truth that I find even in some of our other studies to where we're going through a book of the Bible or something like that to where it's just so easy to hide behind. And so um, it's it's such a beautiful thing to see when a woman gets to the point of they start telling their story and they start being the one that speaks about freedom and spe speaks about the lies that Satan has has so often um, just clouded judgment in our our world. And so um, thank you, Carrie. I appreciate you so much just for your time. And like she said, if you are near Lifeway or if you hop online over at Lifeway, you can find the study Surrendering the Secret, or you can also check out more of their resources that they have and uh, be able to get in contact with Carrie and Pat over at surrenderingthesecret.com. So I want to encourage you, especially if you're a woman's minister, if you're a woman that has had an abortion and is maybe holding this secret, I cannot tell you, cheer you on enough to uh, just reach out, to get a little courage and find out how you can break free from some of these things that um, are just weighing you down. So Carrie, again, thank you so much for joining us today, and I appreciate your time and your wisdom. Thank you, Jackie. It's been a privilege.